Hello, friends. Hello. It's great to be back with you. Hope you're doing well. We are grateful for the gift of life together in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And it's good to gather in his name, and it's good to remember who we are before God and before each other, and it's good to hear God's word. So I invite you to listen closely again to the reading of God's word. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. God, let these words ring in our ears and resound in our hearts that it might well up in us as a song that marks our days, that fills our hearts with wonder and gratitude. Help us to hear your word sung into us, your people, today. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are songs woven into the fabric of who we are. Did you know this? Do you have this experience as if our lives have a soundtrack? You know, you could pop the cassette in. Oh, sorry, dated myself. As if you could dial up the playlist and there would be a soundtrack for your life. I, I know that there are certain songs that mark my own experience, my own story, my own journey. Like when I was in Little League, and we won the city championship, yes, the Mustangs. And we all piled in the back, all of us little leaguers piled in the back of the pickup truck, leaving the ball field. I'm not sure we, we should do that today, all the kids in the back of the pickup truck. And the song whoever was driving the truck put on and turned up really loud for us was Cool in the Gangs, Celebrate Good Times. Do you know that one? Celebrate Good Times, come on, remember that song? It stuck in my mind. It marks that moment. I remember that ride in the back of that pickup, not just because we won the city championship, but because of that song. And every time I hear it, guess what I remember? That's the way it works, right? When I was married, the song 
that was sung as my wife made her way down the aisle was the song that begins with the line, wise men say, do you know the second line? I thought you might. Take my hand, take my whole life to that song. And a couple of years ago when uh, my second daughter, Emily, was married and I walked her down the aisle, she kept this from us, but I stepped out with her on my arm into the aisle and guess what song they played? Our lives have a soundtrack. They mark our experience and so that those moments that they happen are not fixed just in that moment, but that they travel with us, right? They become a part of us. When my daughters were born, um, this is, um, that your, Gilbert, that your daughter's name is Harmony on today is profound. Well, a preacher couldn't ask for a better gift than the blessing of a child named Harmony on a day when the sermon is sing your song, church. <laughs> but I know where you and Naomi are receiving the gift of this one. When my daughters were little, I decided that I would sing over them at night. And I wanted it to be a song that was just for them, that no one, else, no one else's song, it's just theirs. And so I, I sang over them this little song. I remember when I held you in my arms. And I remember well that special little charm when a little girl steals her daddy's heart. Words can't speak and time can't part. I can't believe that I held you in my arms. I felt you in my arms. You're my angel eyes. Heaven has come in my presence. You're my angel eyes. God bless the child that he's given to me. I sang it over them at night. From the time they were infants to toddlers, they know that song, it marks our days. And it means something powerful and profound. And it's true not only in the individual experiences of our lives, but it's also true in our collective experience, in the life that we share together, right? As people join together, especially in Christ. And so in Buffalo Gap, uh, which is, any of you know, Buffalo Gap, just south of Abilene, it's great because if you've ever been to West Texas, you know, flat, mesquite trees, right? But if you drive just south of town, it's amazing. There's this little oasis little hills and some big oak trees in Buffalo Gap. I preached in Buffalo Gap for 10 years or so while on faculty at, at ACU in Abilene and, and got to know and share in the life of that togetherness of community there. And James and Kay Littles came to be a part of our journey. They lived on a house. Uh, there's not many people in Buffalo Gap. They lived in this little stone house as you pass the church and then we were gonna take a right and head out toward Perini's Ranch Perini Ranch, anyone? Okay, so they lived right there, and they'd sit out on their front porch. And Kay, um, 
Kay loved to collect shirts, Jesus shirts, she called them. Anybody can find or give her a Jesus shirt. This is Kay, I, I think, on the screen, in one of her Jesus shirts. I like this, Jesus, soul quencher, with the Gatorade logo. And, and then this next one, um, this is giving it the thumbs up because James and Kay would sit out on their front porch. It was really their ministry, they said. This is what our calling. Sit on our front porch and we smile and wave at everybody that drives by and we give them the thumbs up. And they wanted them to know, everyone that passed by to know that Jesus loved them. James tells the story that they were driving along the road one day and they looked out and Kay said, stop. She saw a little rusty object in the culvert. She made James stop and back up and go back to that rusty object and he pulled it up out of the ground and it was this old rusty sign. You'll see it in the next slide. They pulled that out of the culvert. Try Jesus, he cares. They brought it home to their front porch, which is what you see here, and they tacked it up on the front porch and they sat out on their front porch and they gave it the thumbs up. They had a little broken down clock. The clock didn't even work. It's the next picture. The clock didn't even work. It was always, what, 6.20 at James's house. <laughs> he sit out on the front porch there. There he's got kicked off his cowboy boots. But the sign there says, take time for Jesus. I went to visit James and Kay one afternoon. We sat in their living room, and you could hear the clock ticking in the background. Tick, tick, tick. We had this conversation, and it's what I'd like you to listen to next. Okay, you got a, a good voice on the thing. I think, but I can't, I can't even. You want to sing a little bit of Amazing Grace for me? Think you can do that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, you can. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. Oh gosh. She didn't get to work now. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Oh, it makes me want to cry. Did you hear what Kay said? James said, okay. Kay, church. She's good at singing. <laughs> Won't you sing a little bit for us, Kay? Oh, she didn't want to do it. But singing that song brought all those years back again. It makes me want to cry, she said. It's like that for us, for you and I, together. In fact, I'll bet you that there are certain songs that if I start to sing the first line, maybe even not the first line, you can sing the rest. And there'll be no words on a screen and no songbook to open. If I sing, holy, 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 you sing. See, told you. If I sing, O oh Lord my God, it's like magic, isn't it? When peace like a river, 
I almost don't want to stop there, right? But how does that happen? How does that happen? There are songs that are woven into the fabric of our lives that connect us, that draw us deeper into life together, deeper into the life and the spirit of God. It's a gift, these connections between us. And I've taken all this time, you're thinking, is this guy going to preach scripture or not? I tried to, tried to start with that. To say it shouldn't be surprising that when we open up our Bibles to Philippians 2 this morning and we hear these words, to learn that actually those words in Philippians 2, you may know this, they're not prose. They're not written as a declaration. It's a song. You may have been tipped off because if you look in your Bible, you'll notice that it's not these sentences in paragraphs, but now it's off in, written off in stanzas. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality of, with God something to be grasped. It's a hymn. The words should rise up off the page with a melody. It should feel like that. It's a song. And scripture is filled with this. We might miss the fact that the truth that scripture is conveying, the message that the, in the story that scripture is telling is not only told in stories or in dramatic encounters or reenactments or statements of confession, but it's also compositions of music and melody. It is sung. They come out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea with Pharaoh in hot pursuit. They're delivered and on the other side, standing on the bank of that new beginning that God has gifted them out of oppression, what do they do? They sing. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my defense. And those words I'm telling you recorded in Exodus are not just to, to remind us that, oh, the people of God in that moment sang a song. Guess what? It becomes their song for generation upon generation upon generation. It becomes the song that they sing. In the story of Jesus, there's Mary in a little hill country town. I like the sound of that, don't you? In a little hill country town in Judea who burst out into song, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She sings the work of God, the hand of God, the presence of God. We call that the Magnificat. You know why? Because it wasn't just Mary's song, but it became the church's song. In the temple, Zechariah holds the child, long awaited. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people. You know what we call that one? The Benedictus. You know why? Because it wasn't just Zechariah's song. It became the song of the people of God. And when Simeon says and sings, Sovereign Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. We call that one the nunc dimittis. Why? Because it wasn't just Simeon's words, it became the church's song. And then those angels out in the fields, glory to God in the highest. And when Paul will write, he'll stop 
And he'll say, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us new birth into a living hope. Is he trying to communicate a message to them? Yes. Do you know what he's doing it? know how he's doing it? With a song. We sing God's action. Scripture is filled with melodies that sing God's action. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And at the center of their life, this little band of Jesus followers in the town, Greco-Roman town of Philippi, know this song. Maybe it's this moment in their life that they most need to hear it. Because here's what we know in Philippi. That they are faced with unprecedented uh, pressure from without. Acts 16 tells us that when Paul comes to Philippi, he converts some people, and there's Lydia and Lydia's household, and you know that story. And then the next day he goes in, and there's a woman with an evil spirit, and he casts the spirit out. They didn't like that, and they throw Paul and Silas in prison. Remember this? In Philippi, this is in Philippi, Philippians, Philippi. And it says that they're thrown in, chained and thrown into prison, and it's about the middle of the night, and what is Paul doing? He's singing. I don't know if it's true or not, but I like to imagine. We don't know it doesn't say, not in Scripture, not in any other historical document. But I like to imagine that maybe Paul is sitting there singing, Jesus Christ, who, in, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, because Paul himself is staring that same fate. Therefore, can you hear Paul sing? Can you hear it echo off the prison walls? God exalted him to the highest place. I like to think that maybe Paul is singing that song and that as Paul leaves Philippi, that that little band of Christians is left in the aftermath and the fallout of all that and that they're experiencing some of that too. And I also know this, that in Philippians 4, at the end of Paul's letter, he has this little line. He said, I want to urge Yodia and Syntyche, these two sisters, I want to urge them to be of the same mind as if something's going on there within the church, within the community. Yodia and Syntyche. You know how it goes when people get a little bit crossways. It may start out as something that seems innocent enough, but it festers and it grows and then other people get involved. I want to urge you, Yodia and Syntyche, to agree with each other. And then back in Philippians 2, right before he sings them this song, he says, I want to urge you to be of the same mind. He uses that same phrase, to be of one mind. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, ah, here he goes, Paul's going to sing, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He starts to sing them back their own song. He sings them back to Jesus. 
Now, if, if you're on Twitter and you tweet from sermons, that's a good tweet. He sings them back to Jesus. He sings them back to the way of Jesus. Here's what I want to say in the end. Some of us here today may need to hear a song. Maybe you know what it is to be in that place when everything seems to go against you. Sometimes it's the choices we make. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the choices we make. It's just the circumstances. But just about the time you think that things are going to turn around, here it comes again. You get hit by another one of those waves, and it seems almost overwhelming. I don't know if that's the case for any of you, but maybe some of you know what that is. And in that moment, you need to hear a song. You don't need to hear a sermon. And I like sermons. You don't need to hear a sermon or a lecture or someone give you advice. In that moment, you need a melody to wash over you. Some of us here today may need to hear a song because you've stumbled into places you've never imagined. And maybe that was even something that happened a long time ago. And life's moved on, and you've tried to move on, but it's hard to let it go. You believe in the idea of God's mercy and forgiveness. It's just hard to forgive yourself. And if that's you, if you're carrying around that kind of baggage or shame, you don't need to hear a sermon or a lecture or somebody give you advice. You need to hear a song. Some of you, maybe it's possible, and I don't know because I don't know you all that well, but some of you may have inflicted wounds on each other. Intentionally or no. But those that come in Christian community or that are closest to us, those wounds are the deepest and are the hardest to heal. And so I think Paul has in view when he writes Philippians 2 that if that's happening, what you most need is not a sermon or a lecture or even a letter. You need to hear a song sung over you. Beautiful, rich, and mellow tones of a selfless love poured out of a God who cares enough to come down and sit next to us in our suffering and in our longing and in our brokenness. We like to think to take our place, which may be true, but he comes to sit with us in it so that as he has shown us, God exalted him and us and lifts us up to the highest place. He redeems and he restores 
This is the gift we have today. So my admonition to you is sing your song, church. It's a beautiful song. Don't forget your song. Sing your way back to Jesus. Sing your way into deeper love for each other. Sing your way back into deeper love for the person who lives next door to you. Sing your way back, uh, who, by the way, is annoying. Sing your way back to, the, to, to deeper love for this community in which you all live and reside, which is imperfect and broken because the world is imperfect and broken. Sing your way back to the way of Jesus, which is deeper self-giving love for the people who don't think like you or believe like you or care about the same things that you care about. Sing your way back to this self-emptying, self-giving love because God fills that up and exalts that. Sing your way back to love the person in this room that you find the hardest to love. Okay, now he's stepping on toes. Sing your way back. This is your song. Listen carefully. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or look at me. I've got the answers. I have it all figured out. Let me tell you. No. But instead, he humbled himself, emptied himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory, to the glory to the glory of God the Father. Sing your song, church. Sing your song.